Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly well with all. Under the radar to me means authenticity, not being filtered. It's a window in on the local stories that touch our lives. And there's a huge void in the traditional media covering this new faces of Boston. You may not be looking for a particular story, but when you hear about it, you're engaged. Under the radar means ahead of the curve. It's also perspectives. How does this particular story affect a community or a neighborhood. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, summertime and the reading is easy in this special August edition of Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. We're going to spend the next hour celebrating the quintessential beach book, those sunshine page turners for the winter weary. The breezy tales of summer and sand are up-all-night stories, captivating readers with compelling characters and vivid imagery. In the warmth of a summer heat wave, unbreakable friendships will be tested. For me, a good beach read is something that keeps you engrossed. It's a summer of new loves and fresh starts. Three generations of women, two sisters who find each other and take a road trip. It has unpredictable things that happen. You love the character so much that you really want to find out what happens, and so you keep turning the pages, turning the pages. A good beach read is summertime escapism at its best, whether your toes are wiggling in Caribbean sand or you are barefoot in your own backyard. Joining me today, three authors who are masters of the beach read genre. Their work is all shot to the top of national bestseller lists, been featured by bookstores nationwide, and been enthusiastically embraced by millions of fans, including me. Nancy Thayer has written 23 books in her storied career as one of Nantucket's favorite scribes. Most of her novels are set on her beloved island, including her latest, Secrets in Summer. Many of her books have been translated for Dutch, Italian, German, Danish, and Romanian fans. Welcome to Under the Radar, Nancy. Thank you, Callie. So glad to have you. Jamie Brenner is still fairly new to the beach read genre, but has already experienced success with her first book, The Wedding Sisters. Her latest is The Forever Summer, set in Provincetown, one of Cape Cod's most picturesque resort towns. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks, Kelly. Great to be here. And joining me by phone, Ellen Hildebrand, who has penned 19 novels and one original short story and has been called the Queen of Beach Reads. She lives on Nantucket, though her latest, The Identicals, takes place on both Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Hello, Ellen. Hello, Kelly. Well, you're all here. We've been waiting with a bated breath for you to all be together in one space because this is what I like to read in the summer, what you have written and your master's at it. So first of all, we, so we heard Ellen a little bit there talk about what she thought a beach read was. So I want to get you to weigh in, Nancy. What do you think a good beach read is? I think a good beach read is a book that a woman, and I mean a woman, can relate to when she sees the cover, she knows I can read this book. It's about someone like me, but there will be no tortured animals in it. It's going to be all right. There'll be some problems like my problems, but it's going to be all right. That's great. Jamie, what do you say? 
Yeah, a beach read is escapism. Obviously, it should be set at a beach. And I think a beach read is also something that can be read year-round. Like, I need beach reads, especially in the winter, when I want to not be in the physical space I'm in. So, like Nancy said, I think it's about women, family, you know, sort of emotional realism, but ideally in a, a beautiful space. Ellen, you want to add to that? Well, I always say that I don't want anything that's written in code. So I don't want anything that's too tricky or or too complicated. I need a driving narrative. That is the most important thing. Just something where you're completely engrossed that takes you away. Yeah. I uh, let me start asking uh, by asking all of you. How did you come to write in this genre, Nancy? Let me start with you. What just attracted you to the genre? My first novel, Stepping, was published by Doubleday in 1980, and at that time there was no genre beach reads. It was just sort of like women's fiction, or I remember someone referring to it as dirty diaper fiction, (laughs) because they meant, well, it's for a woman. And I wish I had said to that man, yeah, it is. And I deal with the dirty diapers and I write. So that was in 1980. And I would say my books have continued to be the same, which is about family and friends and home. And beach reads has become a genre to enclose lots of books about ordinary life. Well, actually, as I was doing research for for this conversation, I discovered, uh, just as you've said, that this genre came into being in 1990 by book lists and other trade publications. They sort of formed a genre, and then people said, oh, that makes sense. And so we've been calling it that since then. Jamie? You started out in publishing, not as a writer. That's right. I worked in publishing for two decades, and I've worked in um, the highest literary spaces to, like, the most pulpy genre fiction. But I found the books I came back to again and again, and literally reread again and again, were books by Ellen and Nancy or Dorothea Benton Frank. And living in New York, there's times when you just have to get away. And being a working mother, woman, whatever, you can't always do that. So I realized if I'm going to write and be in a space for nine months, whatever I'm working on, this is what I want to do. So that's how I started honing in on the beach reads, because not only do I want to read them, if I'm laboring over a book for nine months, that's where I want to be writing. Same question to you, Ellen. How did you begin to write in this genre? Well, I had been living on Nantucket for a couple of years, and I then applied to the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop. So out I go to Iowa, and I'm so excited that I've been accepted, and I get there, and I'm completely miserable. (laughs) And I miss the ocean, and I miss the sort of food and the restaurants and the culture of being at the beach. I'm stuck in the heartland, and at the University of Iowa, they offered free therapy. So I would go every week to therapy and cry and... (laughs) Tell my therapist how miserable I was. And then I realized that my best bet was to start my own therapy. And so I started writing a novel called The Beach Club that was set on Nantucket. Ah, okay. Very good. And then you were off to the races. Off to the races. Well, I want to let everybody know, in case they don't, that the Iowa's uh, writing workshop is quite prestigious. So that means that your writing has to be excellent, as, in fact, all three of you have really wonderful writing to draw the reader in instantly, that first page. So I just want to give that compliment now. Um, So let's get right into it, because I want to talk about your individual latest books and give the listeners a sense of what they're about, and then hear a bit of uh, your reading from some of. So, Nancy, again, start with you. Your latest is Secrets in Summer. 
the plot summary. And don't tell it all uh-huh. because people will be mad at me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Secrets in Summer is about a children's librarian who lives in the town of Nantucket. She's inherited a house. So she's very lucky because she owns a home in the middle of Nantucket, and she has a yard, and she has hedges around the yard, and she likes to sit out there and read. But one night in, I think, the beginning of July, when the summer visitors start coming, she realizes she can hear all the people in the three houses around her. And the first person she hears is her ex-husband. So that's the way her summer starts. And then she meets some other people, and she becomes involved in their lives. And one of the things that I want to get on my website, I want to put a, a question up there that says, what would you do? Because Darcy Cotterell gets involved with several people. For example, the grandmother living next door to her falls on the ground, and Darcy goes over to help pick her up. And some people have said to me, I wouldn't do that. She could get sued for, Mm. you know, like hurting her neck. So on the one hand, it's a book about romance because Darcy meets another cool man. In fact, two of them because there are always so many cool men (laughs) around. But on the underneath level, there is this sense of whose keeper am I? Because there is such a huge difference between summer and winter or year-round people. All right. I'd like to get you to read a little bit from your book, Secrets in Summer. You were just mentioning about the librarian. So why don't we try page 52, talking about working at the library? Her job was delicious. It was a joy to do the -the behind-the-scenes slog that kept books available for children or to wander into the staff kitchen for coffee and a chat with the staff and volunteers. The town newspaper came out once a week on Thursday morning, so it was fun to hear about who bought what house for how many millions, who filed for divorce or bankruptcy, who was in the court report. Two of the Cirque Desk women were party girls, spending every night at bars and parties, returning with all kinds of fun gossip. As they said, if you want to know anything, ask a librarian. And I love librarians. Just let me add that as well. (laughs) That's Nancy Thayer reading from her latest, Secrets in Summer. We're talking beach reads for the entire hour. This is bookmarked under the radar book club. Ellen Hildebrand, let's talk about the plot of your latest book called The Identicals. Again, don't tell it all, but give me the essence of it. Exactly. So my novel is called The Identicals. It's about identical twin women on the verge of 40. One has been living with her mother on Nantucket, and the other has been living with her father on Martha's Vineyard. They have not spoken in 14 years due to a long-ago family sort of tragic secret. And in the summer of 2017, they are forced not only to reunite but to switch places. So Nantucket twin goes to the vineyard, vineyard twin comes to Nantucket, and drama ensues. And it's fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to get you to read a bit. How about page 305? When Franklin gets home from his parents' house, it's late and he's drunk. How was it, Tabitha asks carefully. She expected him hours ago. She finished the first coat of paint in the powder room by 7.30, then decided to see what all the hype was about. So she drove to Menemsha and waited 40 minutes for a lobster roll from Larson's Fish Market. She couldn't get over how mobbed Menemsha was with people waiting for the sunset. It was like a day plucked from the 1970s. 
happy people with sandy feet lining the wall overlooking the water, drinking wine from waxy paper cups. A guy with a guitar played Hotel California, then segued into I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing, then transitioned into Beth by Kiss, while people sang along. Nantucket didn't have a nightly community gathering like this. The best place to watch the sunset on Nantucket was at Galley Beach Restaurant. When the sun set, the patrons clapped, and they got back to their vintage Bifflicot and $43 Dover sole. And that, Tabitha supposed, was the difference between the two islands. It's perfect because those of us who have a particular island, mine is Martha's Vineyard, we know um, what that <laughs> means. <laughs> so I truly enjoyed that. Jamie Brenner, your latest book is The Forever Summer. Would you tell me what that's all about? Sure. So yeah. The Forever Summer is about two young women who discover they are half-sisters. And one of these women is thrilled because she's always wanted a bigger family. And the other woman is devastated because it meant her mom's been keeping a really big secret. So the two of them, coming from completely different emotional spaces, go on a road trip to Provincetown to meet the grandmother they never knew they shared. And the grandmother runs a bed and breakfast in Provincetown. And she thought the days of having family under her roof were long gone. And then these two women essentially show up on her doorstep and the family drama unfolds from there. All right. We've got to hear a piece of that. So let's try page 91. Oh, this is a family dinner. Okay. The food was delicious. Grilled shrimp with garlic and cilantro, rice, stewed green beans. And the small talk over the meal was pleasant enough. It seemed no one wanted to get too serious, to burst the idyllic getting-to-know-you bubble. But when Amelia and Kelly retreated into the kitchen to get the dessert and coffee, Blythe couldn't help but ask Rachel, How does your mother feel about all of this? You contacting Amelia, coming out here. Oh, my mother? She doesn't care. Doesn't care? Rachel shrugged. She's always been very casual about the sperm donor thing. She wanted to have a kid on her own, and there was never any secret. I don't mean to get too personal, but were you ever going to tell Marin the truth? I mean, didn't you worry she'd find out someday? Blythe gulped her wine and looked away towards the water. As I said earlier, it's complicated. Are you upset with me for getting in touch with her? Blythe traced the rim of her glass with her fingertip. Was she upset with Rachel for opening this can of worms? No, no, of course not. And her father? I mean, you know, the father who raised her. Do you mind if we don't talk about this? Blythe glanced back at the house, regretting starting the conversation. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm so full of nervous energy. So I have to tell you, Jamie, and that's my guest, Jamie Brenner, and her book is The Forever Summer. When I started the book, things were happening so fast. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's got to slow this down. She's revealing so much. (laughs) So I'm thinking, what's going to (laughs) happen? So that was my response to you. You had much more to add as we went along, of course, but uh, it was a little shocking because I kept saying I have 200 more pages and a lot has (laughs) happened already. (laughs) It was exhausting, Kelly. What can I tell you? (laughs) Well, that was obviously deliberate on your part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the book's I love. You keep the pages turning, right? I feel like that's sort of the promise of these books. Well, I like them all. And I wanted to get to something that I think is uh, people may not understand about the writing from all of you and that most of the topics that you deal with are right now. 
even though it takes a while to write these books and things change, you seem to have your finger right on the pulse of what's happening. So there are contemporary issues in all of these books. We're talking gay marriage. You just mentioned DNA, hiding uh, that kind of stuff from family members. You have different characters, different scene settings, different years. It fits now, doesn't feel old, Nancy. How do you do that? How do you figure out how to keep your finger on the pulse of the topic, but also keep it fresh? (laughs) Well, I listen to my children, for one thing, Mm -hmm. and my friends. I think a lot of things have changed in families in the 30 years I've been writing. One thing is we now have the term blended families. So in Secrets in Summer, Darcy becomes involved with her ex-husband's stepdaughter because her ex-husband has married another woman who was married before and has a daughter named Willow, who's 14. That's not unusual. I know a lot of blended families, and I've always written about families, and families keep changing. They change the whole thing with DNA and sperm donors. Technology. Technology has changed the way we write and the way we read and, and the way we have families. Ellen Hildebrand, same question to you. Keeping it fresh, but also keeping your finger right on the pulse of what's happening, it seems to me, now. Well, I always say that the hardest part of my job is I'm expected to write exactly the same thing completely differently every single year. (laughs) Um, And so that is the biggest challenge, and especially so Nancy and I live on an island that is, you know, 13 miles long and four miles wide and has 10,000 year-round residents and 50,000 summer residents. So it's not an enormous pool to draw from. And so really, like Nancy, I listen to my children. My children are 11, 15, and 17. So the most interesting things are always going on with the 17-year-olds because that's where, that's, where, that's where the culture is aimed. So I'm always listening to them. I travel a lot. And believe it or not, in traveling and going new places, especially in the winter, gives me a better appreciation for the world, but also for the very small place that I live. And so I, I like to use my travels and my experiences, and I read all the time as well. Mm. That's Ellen Hildebrand. She lives on Nantucket, as does Nancy, who spoke before. Jamie Brenner, you do not live on Nantucket. How do you I keep do it not, fresh? Unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like family drama is a gift that keeps on giving. You know, we all have families, we all have friends with families. For this particular story, I literally had a friend sit me down at lunch and say, I took a DNA test, something crazy is going on, like something's not right. And sure enough, her father was not her father. She was contacted by a woman who said, we're such a close DNA match, we have to be sisters. And she didn't have the answers to how this happened. So I just said, okay, I'm going to make up my own to you know, how did this happen to her? And that was the forever summer. So I think sometimes life just hands us a little creative gift. Sometimes it's not that easy. But um, like you said, I think the world is changing and family secrets are not as easily kept secrets anymore because of the rise of DNA, because of the internet, because of how easy it is to find out who's connected and to be connected. I think it's a double-edged sword. And yet, there are always secrets, even though it's maybe more difficult. There are there's still always secrets, right? Yeah, <laughs> there uncover. are always secrets. I think people have to realize today: be careful what you think you're going to keep a secret. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think that's right. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and with me are authors Nancy Thayer, Ellen Hildebrand, and Jamie Brenner. Three stars of the beach read genre. We're discussing pulp and page turners. 
all of you managed to keep generations going throughout your characters as well, I noticed, at least in these latest books. There are some generational concerns, some real characters, and their issues weigh in with the older folks, and it makes for an interesting mix. Nancy, I know that's deliberate. (laughs) I think I use a lot of older women, a lot of grandmothers, because... My grandmothers and older women on Nantucket have been such an inspiration to me. They're funny, they're wise, they really are funny and wise. And I, in my past few books, I've always had a grandmother there, an older woman. But now that my grandchildren are getting a little bit older, I'm beginning to see more about the world that Ellen's children are in. And I'm learning more about Younger people, as I say, and I think it's so good and healthy to know people all up and down the age scale. It keeps us fresh and aware of problems and views and perspectives on the world. I love the young people I know, and I I need the older people I know. That's Nancy Thayer. She's the author of Secrets in Summer. Ellen Hildebrand, you've got a real young character in this latest book, The Identicals, and you've mentioned that you have young kids. Um, mm-hmm. So is it your focus to keep that general generational mix going in all of your books? Well, in this novel, it was definitely true. I had the three generations of women. I had Eleanor, the grandmother. And I have to say, I feel like it's a flaw because Eleanor in this book is only 71 years old, and I think she reads much older, but because of how the schematic of the ages went, I had to make her 71, and she comes across as an old woman. Now, 71 is no longer, I don't think, an old woman. I think you really have to be 85. So she, to me, she sort of reads like she's 85, but she's only 71. So that's like a very interesting thing, mm. and possibly it's my own prejudice that as I get older, um, age seems younger, if that makes sense. So (laughs) you're not as old as you think you are anyway. But I do have a 16-year-old daughter, and she's very closely modeled on my son, who at the time I wrote it was 16 years old, because she gets in all kinds of trouble. And I said to Max, I am now going to put all of your escapades in my novels, and so that will be a deterrent to you to really start behaving. We'll see. (laughs) The problem is that I I said I say to everybody, he will never read it. So... um, (laughs) Not sure how effective it will be. Well, other people may meet him and say, oh, (laughs) I know (laughs) the character Ainsley is based on you. So maybe we can go that way. Uh, That's (laughs) Ellen Hildebrand and her book is The Identicals. Jamie Brenner, you've definitely got generations going in your book. (laughs) I do. I do. I have the grandmother and two mothers. You know, I don't have a mother or my grandmother any longer. And I really miss having those sort of... um, you know, authority figures, someone to, you know, words of wisdom. So I think in my books, I write the women who I wish I had around me. So that's why in every book, I have the grandmother and the mother. And then I have two teenage daughters. So that part's easy. But the older women is always the woman I wish I could, you know, knock on her door. Mm, I get that. I miss my grandmother as well. Here's a question. All of you, and Ellen, I think you mentioned it before, start fresh with new sets of characters, new circumstances, even if there are certain core elements like family drama, intimate situations, secrets, or whatever, and contemporary topics, as we've mentioned. 
But there is another way to go. It's like some of my my favorite mystery writer, the late Philip Craig, had one set of characters set on Martha's Vineyard, and he just sort of aged them over time. Now, Cynthia Riggs, who also writes mysteries for on Martha's Vineyard, her character does not age, but it's the same character. So I'm curious about, wouldn't it be easier... Or had you ever considered Ellen Hildebrand having the same character or some of the same characters over several books? Well, you know what? It's something that I've consciously resisted. And if you think about, so I, my first novel was published in 2000. And what happens in 2000? Harry Potter is published, right? And Harry Potter, I think, and the Twilight series start this craze of series, sequels, what comes next. And I consciously resisted it because... I didn't want to do it. I wanted to start fresh with each new novel. So one of the things I like best about my summer novels is that they can be read in any order. You know, there are some recurring characters that pop up, but they it doesn't matter. You can read them in any order. I did write a Christmas trilogy, and it was so popular that I wrote, I wrote a fourth book, which is coming out in October. But the problem with the trilogy is I, I'm very reluctant to sell somebody book three if they haven't read books one and two. Mm-hmm. So I find that, you know, the connection can actually work both ways. Well, I get that because I'm sort of adamant about I'm a J.D. Robb fan just on her series of In-Death, and I cannot read them out of order. So I become hysterical running around to various libraries if I'm missing one. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nancy Thayer, uh, why not have the one character or two that carries over? Why start fresh every time? Well, actually, I do have a series, which is that about 10 years ago, I wrote a book called The Hot Flash Club. Oh, great. Can you imagine why? Yeah. Um, And um, (laughs) it it was so popular that my editor said, okay, we want a second, and then we want a third, and then we want a fourth. So I do have four books that are in a series. And a lot of people are emailing me and coming up and grabbing hold of me and saying, we want the next book. So at some point, I will write another Hot Flash Club book because I have a lot of material. For Did the, you have uh, to read them in order? Do you do, no, you, you do, don't have okay, to read them. All right, no, okay. You don't have to read them mm-hmm. in order. For the rest of them, I do get people saying, well, did Johnny and Susan get married? And I find that if I don't make it absolutely clear at the end of the book, I can't end with characters looking at the sun setting and holding hands. They want to know they went to the church, they got married. And, and, or not. Or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. right. Yeah, yes. right. In yes. which case, then I would have to write a sequel because yeah. people would be very upset. <laughs> I like starting fresh, and I get so many ideas. And for Secrets in Summer, I actually got the idea of when I was sitting in my own backyard surrounded by hedges, and I realized I could hear people walking on the other side of the hedges and sometimes doing some sort of intimate things. And at that point, because they don't know I'm there, I usually start singing because I don't want to say, I hear what you're doing. (laughs) I, I just want them to have an awareness that somebody can hear what they're doing. So while I was sitting there, I thought, oh, wouldn't this be a good idea for a novel? A woman who's hearing three different families and people and they don't know she's there listening. Sort of what, you know, we writers like to do. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Jamie Brenner, you're, as I said, you're the newcomer in this situation. So yeah. you have an opportunity to start a series, but have you thought about going in that direction? I And you had a series, an e-book series. 
It did, that was a serial. That yeah. was a whole different thing where they mm. were just releasing the novel at sort of cliffhanger points and then they compiled it into a novel. But that's a different experience. And I do enjoy series. Like I love Ellen's Winter series. I love that Ellen has the police chief wandering in and out of different books. But right now, I can't even, I haven't even set any books in the same place, let alone have the same character. So maybe somewhere down the line. But I feel like that's just not creatively where I'm at. I maybe never will be. From the outside, it seems like it would be a little easier. But no, that's what all of you are saying. It's actually harder. Well, I think it is easier. Is it it is not, easier? I okay. I think it is easier to write a series because you don't have to start from scratch on the characters. And, you know, the one thing really that a beach book about is about falling in love with the characters. And so they have to be fully realized. Well, it's very, very hard to fully realize any character, much less do it over and over again every year. So I think it is easier to write a series, but I have been... So when I say I consciously resisted it, it's because I didn't want it to be easy, I guess. Well, I will say this, Ellen, and that is, from a fan level, if you fully realize your characters and you do a series and you do something to the characters that's out of character, we're very angry. So (laughs) so on that, in that way, it's kind of tough because, you know, we're we're watching everything you say. And I will say, well, that's not what she would do. What are you talking about? (laughs) Right? Because I'm invested as a fan. You're a careful reader. I'm a very careful reader, as are, I think, uh, most fans who, who really follow you. So let's put this on the table. We're talking about a kind of uh, beach genre. And with the three of you, there's romance at the center. It's kind of fusion genre. There's women at the center, as Nancy has made clear. But there's a broader spectrum when you define beach read. And people mostly say escape is fiction. And it also tends to have a little bit, which is interesting to me, even in the broader genre, a kind of pejorative to it. A yeah, it's a beach read. You know, so not very good, not not very well written, not, not, not so great, but it's okay for you to sort of tuck in your beach bag. I thought about this because I heard uh, John Grisham, who you, many of you will understand is a very prolific writer. He was on the CBS This Morning talking about really responding to people calling his work or thinking about writing a beach read. Here he is. I wanted to write a beach book. Yeah. For I... years, my novels have been criticized as being, you know, nothing more than beach books. So I thought, okay, I'll show you a beach book. <laughs> <laughs> go get him, Grisham. The ultimate beach book. And there you go. That was how I got started. Well, that's John Grisham. He's talking about his latest book called Camino Island, which is a little bit different from what he's written in the past. But his point was that people think that it's not so great. Jamie, respond to that. How do you how do you feel about people assuming that a beach read doesn't have to be very well written? Well, it's really funny. I was at a reading. I was seeing a woman read one night in a bookstore in New York, and I went to hear her, and someone asked her about her cover art. And she said, oh, I didn't really get involved. I just, as long as it wasn't a woman sitting on a beach. And I thought, <laughs> so you don't want your book to sell? Like, I mean, I, you know, I look at Nancy, I look at Ellen, I look at women who I've admired in the space and they sell books and they make people happy and women look forward to this time of year. I know I look forward to, Oh, this next book's coming out. I can't wait till June. I love it. And, um, there is no pejorative to me. Like if you're writing books that people love, if you're writing books that are selling millions of copies, that's what it's all about. Nancy. My ideal reader is a woman who has two children who have the flu and have been vomiting all day, and her husband is on a business trip, 
in Paris, and she's home <laughs> alone. And finally, she gets to lie down in bed and read a book. And this does provide escape. It does provide maybe some romance that she's not getting. But it also provides a real world with real problems. I don't care what my books are called. They can be called Beach Reads. That's fine. And by the way, I just finished Camino Island by John Grisham. Oh. And if anybody wants to write a book, read his book because it's all about what you should do to write a book, how you can oh. market it. It's a, it's a mystery and it's all about books. Well, Nancy Thayer, I don't have two kids, and I am um, at home vomiting, but I love your work. <laughs> and just to note, uh, apparently so does the Charles Hotel. They have a like, book nook in their lobby, uh-huh. and that's how I first discovered you, because oh. you have they have chairs there. And I said, oh, well, let's pull this off. And I oh, sat and read, <laughs> read oh, your good. book, and then I hid it so that when I came back, I could finish it, and nobody would have moved it. <laughs> now the Charles Hotel knows my secret. We'll never tell. <laughs> I never tell. Ellen, how do you respond to the pejorative uh, about beach reads? I come at it from a different perspective because I was so educated at Iowa, well, at Johns Hopkins first and then at Iowa from, with such a literary bent. Mm-hmm. And it became clear when I was at Iowa that I was not going to go down that road. And I, there were a lot of very, very talented, very, very literary, very, very tortured people in my program. And they couldn't get anything done. And um, so I pride myself on producing a quality book every year that sells. The pe- and it's like Jamie and Nancy both said, that people can enjoy, that they look forward to. And I can't tell you how many people reach out to me on various in various sort of social media or email or whatever and say, you know, you are my summertime. This means summer. And to be able to give somebody that, men and women, is a very special thing, and I would much rather have people reading, you know, my books than have them think it's something sort of more elite and not reading them. Well, that's a good place to stop right now. We're going to have more with you after we take this break. Coming up, we're continuing our hour-long August edition of Bookmark, the Under the Radar Book Club. Our special guests are authors Nancy Thayer, Ellen Hildebrand, and Jamie Brenner all whose latest novels are set on the Cape and Islands. More talk with these beach read mavens. That's next on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. When I met you in the summer to my heartbeat sound. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. It's our special August edition of Bookmarked, the Under the Radar book club, and we're talking beach books. Nancy Thayer's Secrets in Summer, Ellen Hildebrand's The Identicals, and Jamie Brenner's The Forever Summer are their latest novels. Nancy and Jamie are here in the studio, and Ellen is joining us by phone for this hour-long conversation on the beach read genre. So let's start off by hearing a little bit more from each of your books. I love the scene setting in this genre because it takes you right there. So Ellen, let's start with you. I like page 52. I can tell you're a vineyard person, Kelly. Because I know. You keep picking, you <laughs> I keep keep picking, picking the... the vineyard section, All which is right, fantastic. Yeah. Those are actually, I prefer them to Nantucket because I'm bored of Nantucket. Okay. <laughs> they are going to Martha's Vineyard. Billy is dead. 
Billy is the only grandfather Ainsley has ever known because her father's father, Wyatt Sr., died before Ainsley was born. Ainsley, Tabitha, and Ainsley's grandmother, Eleanor, take the fast ferry from Nantucket to Oak Bluff. While standing in line, Ainsley accidentally refers to it as Oak's Bluff, and she is reprimanded by a woman even older than Grammy who is standing behind her. This woman puts a hand on Ainsley's shoulder and says, one tree, many bluffs, or more likely one kind of tree, many bluffs. Whatever, Ainsley says. Eleanor pipes up. One needs to know. <laughs> That's Ellen Hildebrand from her latest book, The Identicals. All right, Nancy Thayer, why don't you read from Your Secrets in Summer, page 70. All right. This is Darcy, who's the children's librarian. Over the next few days, the sun grew fatter and closer and more intense. After work in the afternoons, Darcy slipped into the restroom and changed into a bathing suit, pulled her sundress back on over it, and walked down to Jetty's Beach for a cooling swim. She didn't go there as often as she should, like a New Yorker never visiting the Empire State Building. Darcy went to different beaches for different reasons. The South Shore was good for surf and crashing storms. Darcy preferred the calm, wetter waters of the Sound at Steps Beach for swimming, but that was a much longer walk. If she had an afternoon off, she drove out to Quidnet and swam in the sweet waters of Sasachica Pond, or her favorite, at the end of the harbor at Cascada, a small, lonely beach past the Walwinet Hotel, off a rutted dirt road that required a four-wheel drive vehicle. Jetty's beach was usually too crowded, but today, by the time she got there, the crowds had thinned out as people left for dinner. Ooh, Nancy Thayer, Secrets (laughs) in Summer. Don't you just want to go to that beach? It sounds fabulous. (laughs) All right, Jamie Brimmer, page 78, and this is your from your book, The Forever Summer. At nearly 3 o'clock, seven hours after they'd left New York City, Rachel turned the car onto Commercial Street in Provincetown. She smiled. Could this quaint, narrow street, brimming with colorful storefronts, buildings no more than three stories high, be as much a part of her as the brassy beauty of Los Angeles? Yes, yes it was, she felt it. People were walking everywhere, spilling off the sidewalks, flanking her slowly moving car in couples and groups, a few bikes rolling by, announcing their presence with tinkling bells. Up ahead, a pedicab. Inching along, she drove half a block. To her left, Cabot's Candy, her right, a small art gallery. Inch by inch, they passed the large red brick post office, the white clapboard library, a cafe called Heaven. Oh, it's so lovely, Blythe said. It was. It really was. Beautiful. I love Provincetown. I spent a fair amount of time there before. I just cannot get off Martha's Vineyard now every summer. (laughs) It's really hard. It's really hard. There have been a number of people to sort of take an assessment about why people are attracted to beach reads and what what it means um, to take some time to read a book in the summer. And I I was interested in what they had to say in that something about being on vacation, or if you're not on a true vacation, just having some time off means that you attach to the book, actually, more than you might at a time during your work regular work year where you're still enjoying the book and you're reading. 
but it's something about it, Nancy Thayer, uh, that brings back memories as you're enjoying it. And so you get, according to some of the shrinks that we're talking about it, a sort of a deeper appreciation. Now, do you feel a real responsibility to keep me entertained with all of that going on? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm fascinated by this because I never knew, I never thought of books in the summer that way before. But I grew up in Kansas. And let me tell you, in the summer, it is hot. It is really hot. And I read all summer from the time I was four or five years old. And I loved it. I loved it. I had a library card. I could get a pile of books from the library. So I suppose in the summers now that I'm an adult, and also when my kids were little, there was always summer as a free time to escape from all the deadlines, getting the kids to school on time, being sure they had the right food and going to the grocery store at the right time. Now in the summer, I allow myself to read the things I love the most, which is mysteries, Mm. without guilt. So you have just explained my entire life (laughs) to me, and I no longer need a therapist. (laughs) Jamie, uh, why don't you weigh in on that? I think, it, well, first of all, it's fascinating. And, I mean, it makes sense. And I I was thinking recently, you know, the whole issue of buying physical books versus sometimes just downloading books. And I realized when I see the books on my shelf, I can remember exactly where I was when I was holding them, you know, where I was physically or what time of year. And I it makes sense that the books you're reading when you're happy are going to be books that stay with you in the most maybe resonant way. So... I didn't know that was actually a, technically a psychological thing, but I'm glad to hear it. And it, it actually makes sense now that I'm thinking about the physical books in my, in my apartment and why there's some I want to go back to over and over again. Ellen Hildebrand. I think Americans, and especially those of us in the Northeast where our weather mm. you know, is temperate, that we fetishize our summers. So like summer becomes very, is very, very important to people in America and especially in the Northeast. And so we have our traditions and our rituals. And I feel like reading on the beach is one of those things that, you know, like the corn on the cob and the outdoor shower and the blueberry pie that sort of becomes a part of people's summer traditions. And so um, it does not surprise me that people do attach to it. You know, I never thought about the the fetishization of summer here, but I would have to agree. Um, I grew up in the South where we have a lot more sun and warm weather, and I cannot wait until it gets sunny here and it's beachy in temperature, you know, that one can be outside and enjoy it. So I think you put your finger on something. All right. How do you guys write these books one after another. I can barely get my script out every week. So, <laughs> Ellen Hildebrand, what is your process? Because at the end of the year, you're likely to have another book or two. That is correct. I And the thing I, that you do or do not know is that I handwrite everything in legal pads. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I, that's just because of, that's how I, I'm, I would like to say it's because I'm old. It's how I learned how to write, obviously. And it served me very well in that I can do it anywhere. And it's just discipline, and anybody who knows me well knows the first thing I do every day is I go running. I run between seven and eight miles, and that is the discipline that sets up the rest of my day. And over the years, I've also been able to block out noise and distractions, and I have three teenagers, as I've said. They all play three sports, so over the course of the year, you're likely to see me in the basketball stands with my notebook, with my computer, in my car at the baseball field, like writing, writing, writing. 
And I, it's just, you know, I always say about all the talented writers at Iowa, the only difference between me and them was that I was able to finish. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a big deal. Do you ever foresee a time when you can say, I don't want to be on this schedule and, you know. Oh, I, yes. Oh, okay. yes, yes. I plan to retire in uh, by 2020. Okay. All right. Done. We're, finished. That's Ellen. That's <laughs> oh, Ellen Hildebrand. So. I don't think your fans are going to let you, but okay. <laughs> no, that's Ellen Hildebrand. Her latest book is The Identicals. All right, Nancy Thayer, how do you do it? I think it's like having OCD. Yeah. OCD. I think I'm slightly insane. I and my family know that if I'm not writing every day, I'm not as nice as I am when I do write every day. It's something I've wanted to do since I was four. I love doing it. I'm obsessed by it. I write on a computer, but I also scratch things down in a notepad in my purse. I don't keep a notepad by the bed. I don't know why, but I'll pull out tissues and write something on them. Uh, I love what I'm doing, and I'm so lucky to be able to do the work I love to do. And I think Ellen and Jamie are, oh, I hope they keep publishing Ellen a book (laughs) a year. (laughs) Well, what about you? Do you foresee a time when you just don't want to keep the pace? Maybe you'll write a book every other year, or maybe you just stop. I think maybe when I die. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Uh, that's Nancy Thayer. Her latest book is Secrets in Summer. All right, Jamie Brenner, you're just getting into exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, to look at Ellen and Nancy and say, oh, you know, these women 20 books in, I'm on my third, you know, I'm doing one book a year, but this is only the third one that's come out. I have another one next year and the year after. It's just every day you sit down and you do the work. And like a little bit of what Nancy said, a little bit of what Ellen said Yes, the difference between getting the book done and not is sitting down and just finishing it. There is a little bit of a compulsion. I agree with Nancy. I don't feel right. I don't feel fully present in other areas of my life if I haven't gotten some words down on the page. And I think the thing with writing, it's like any job. Like, no one says to other people who work, like, how do you get to the office every day? You're like, well, I just go to the office and do my job because that's what I'm paid to do. And and writing is a job. It's a job we love and a job we're really fortunate to have. But there's no magic. Like, you sit there and you have some good days and you have some bad days. And if you just do it every day, eventually there's going to be a book there. So I think that's the space I'm in. And I, I... should be so lucky as to be able to be sitting here one day on my 20th. Like, I have such admiration for Nancy and Ellen because it's a job, but it's not easy. Well, that's uh, Jamie Brenner, The Forever Summer. You know, Ellen spoke about finishing, um, and all of you talk about, you know, keep going forward and, and making it happen. But we have to say, I know a lot of authors, they cranked out one book, that was it. They couldn't get to another one. So this is a legitimate question about how you keep going to do more than one and certainly be prolific, as at least uh, Ellen and Nancy have proven themselves to be and Jamie, you intend to be. That's just really real. Let me remind everybody that I am joyfully sitting here with my three guests, <laughs> Nancy Thayer. She's the author of Secrets in Summer, Jamie Brenner, who is the author of The Forever Summer, and Ellen Hildebrand, who is on the phone from Nantucket, and her latest is The Identicals. And we are talking beach reads, and I am joyfully, excitedly talking about it because these are some of my favorite books. I also want to just remind people that none of you are slouches uh, you know, in terms of appreciation by fans. That's 
given, but also by other critics. People Magazine said of your book, Jamie, that this is the great beach read. It made the 50 best summer books of 2017. It's a USA Today bestseller. Bustle.com declared it maximum vacation enjoyment. So there's for you. The Identicals and Secrets in Summer by Ellen and Nancy are on the list of best summer reads of 2017 by the website Pure Wow. And Amazon says Secrets in Summer and the Identicals are frequently bought together, in case you didn't know. So a lot of critical response and appreciation from fans and others. All right, here's a question. Which is your favorite book, Nancy Thayer? I always say the book I'm writing oh, now. Oh, that's a cop-out. <laughs> is that a cop-out? <laughs> I'll let you get away with it, but I just want you to know that's a cop-out. I know. <laughs> Ellen Hildebrand, your favorite. Oh, my favorite, it's called The Blue Bistro, and it came out in 2005. And if you get a room of, full of Ellen Hildebrand fans, you know, 99 of 100 will say The Blue Bistro was their favorite. And I, it's set at a restaurant in Nantucket. It was a labor of love. It has a fantastic love triangle. And I can't describe it other than that. It's a really, it's a very special book. All right. Jamie, of your two, which ones, though I have to say that I noticed online The Wedding Sisters is house almost a cult following. <laughs> oh, I love The Wedding Sisters, but The Forever Summer is special because it is my first beach, like literally set at a beach book, and it's changed the way I'm thinking about how I want to tell my family's stories. So I think it's always going to be special to me. All right. Who are you reading on the beach, Nancy Thayer? Now, you mentioned mysteries, but specifically other than John Grisham, you read that. Who are you reading? I tend to read three or four books at once, not all at once, but during a day. My nonfiction book is The Book of Joy by Dalai Lama and the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, which I can dip into and dip out of. I just finished Camino Island, and I love to read, well, I read Jamie's book. I haven't read Ellen's book yet, but I'm gonna, I always save her books until fall <laughs> because there are so many things going on right now. I read Mary Alice Monroe. I just finished her book, which is called Beach House for Rent. And she's very involved with conservation of shorebirds. So it's a good read, but it's also an important book. Hmm. Ellen Hildebrand, who are you reading? Because I don't know how you all read and write the way you do, but but you tell me you, you read a lot. So Yeah, I, I read. I'm very nerdy. I read one book at a time all the way through, but just only one at a time. I, I'm constantly reading, and I consider it part of my job because it fires me up. And people say, aren't you worried you're going to plagiarize or write, you know, unintentionally sort of adopt someone else's voice? But at 19 books in, I'm not worried about that. So, um <laughs> The best books I've read this summer, I read Do Not Become Alarmed by Miley Malloy, which I mm. loved, mm. and Syracusa by Delia Ephron, which I also loved. And mm. those are both set in other countries, but they're vacation books. So, like, the um, couples are on vacation, and drama slash trauma ensues. And then the other book I really loved this summer, which I just finished, is Jamie Attenberg's novel All Grown Up. Very good. Jamie Brenner, what are you reading? It's an interesting question because I'm actually in a rare space where I'm not reading because I actually, when I'm starting a new book, I have a hard time reading. But recent books I read that I loved was, um, I love The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by an author named Taylor Jenkins Reid and a novel called The Address that just came out by Fiona Davis, which goes back between the 1800s and the 1880s. And I usually like reading a thriller here or there, so I'm 
in the summer, I read a lot of Daniel Silva. Mm. Um, if it's any Nelson DeMille I haven't read, I'll read that. I probably will check out Camino Island because Nancy <laughs> recommended it. So that's where my head's at in terms of reading. All right. What direction do you see you, each of you going in for your next book? Or are you changing directions, shifting at all? And is there any hint that you can give about your next books? I'll start with you, Nancy. My next book, again, is about family. It's about a woman who is 55, and she's getting married for the second time. She's widowed, and it has to do with her her two grown daughters meeting his grown son and daughter, and what happens, again, when two families are blended, only they're all grown up, and who likes who and who doesn't like who, and the sort of, uh, the, for example, Uh, The bride, the mother who's 55, has chosen her dress. She wants it to be short because she has cool legs, even at 55. (laughs) And her fiancé's daughter um, says, I want to wear a long gown because I'm pregnant and I have varicose veins. And you all have to wear long gowns because I have to because of varicose veins. And it's that sort of thing that that really can get into you can get into a real problem with families. So that's just a little a little scene in in what happens. And when is it out next year? Next May. Okay, Ellen Hildebrand. Next book, Changing Direction, Stay in the Course. Oh, Changing Direction. Ooh. I am writing a novel called The Perfect Couple, which is a murder. Oh. <laughs> Bride found floating off the coast in Monomoy, so in the harbor, on the morning of her wedding. She's found dead, and the chief, our favorite chief, comes back (laughs) and investigates the two families that are living in the compound and what happens the night before. And shall we expect it next summer as well? We will expect it June 12th, I believe. All right. I'm very excited, Ellen, because I love the castaways, so this sounds like it might be a bit of a return (laughs) to that space. Yeah, exactly. I have a novel coming out called The Husband Hour, coming in April. And it's about a woman, also widowed, young woman, who loses her husband in a very public way over in Iraq. And she retreats to her family's beach house on Absecon Island, which is actually the Jersey Shore. And she thinks she's going to hide away and never be heard from again. And a documentary filmmaker has other ideas. So he shows up and he begs her for just one hour one hour of her time talking about her husband. Mm. And one hour turns into two, turns into a whole summer where she eventually reckons with the truth about her marriage. Wow. Okay. Well, these are all good, and we're all waiting for them. All right. I'd like to know from you, because I like a little gossip at the end. Best reaction from a fan, Nancy there. Best reaction from a fan was just a week ago when I went to the Worcester Library to speak, and There was a Muslim woman with two children, and one was a little boy who was six. And when question time came, he kept raising his hand, and he would say, how many pages are in your book? And he would ask really good questions. And afterwards, he came up to me and said, this has been the best day of my life. I I wanted to start crying. And his mother said, you know, I don't have a lot of time to read, but I read your books 
for 10 minutes before I go to sleep, and I go to sleep happy. I just dissolved. You know, I think the six-year-old probably was my best my my best moments. Well, both of them are pretty good. Oh, they I are pretty say. good, yes. Ellen Hildebrand, best reaction from a fan. So I had breast cancer in 2014. And I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction, and I have a med- I still, every six months, go and see my medical oncologist. So my medical oncologist sends me an email, and he says, I have another patient who's stage four, and she's going to be on Nantucket this week. And she would, you know, she's read all your, you know, she saw your book in my office, because he keeps my books in his office now. And she started reading them, and, you know, she's coming to Nantucket, and she would like to meet you. And so I met her, and she was so grateful and excited to meet me and yet it was so humbling because you know she made it a point that this was one of the things she was going to do even though she's quite sick and it was just like a magical amazing moment for me that I have fans that I've met that way. Oh that's really very special as well. Jamie Brenner? I don't know if this is the best reaction but it was probably the most interesting to me. I had someone write online that the book is more diverse than they're used to reading, but that hmm. they liked it anyway. What does that mean? I'm not sure, <laughs> but I was talking about it with my husband, and he's like, look, this, he's like, you know, people are not only maybe going to a new place geographically in the book, but maybe meeting people that they wouldn't meet in their day-to-day life, and that's like a really, I feel like that's a, an accomplishment that maybe I brought someplace um, socially or emotionally that they didn't think they, they wanted to go. So I was like, well, okay, that's... That, that really stood out to me. Any celebrity fans I should know about? I don't Everybody's pondering. So. <laughs> I think it depends on what you mean by celebrity, because I'm Nantucket. <laughs> oh, well, you got every all the celebrities. you got a yeah, lot of them. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like something Bill Clinton would say, but it does <laughs> yeah. depend on what you mean. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I understand. Now, well, you know the vineyard. Yes, oh, my goodness. That's you've got true. the celebrities, and you're one of them. So. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. But it's kind of interesting when you you know find out that somebody's walking around with your book and you had no idea. And, Jamie, do you have a celebrity oh, fan? God, no, I wish. I'd love to see in Us <laughs> Weekly someone like slipping <laughs> it along. No, hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting. Uh-huh. Well, I have to say this has been a joy to talk to all of you. It was wonderful. Um, it indulged my one of my favorite genres, Beach Reads, and I've read all of the books, uh, all of your latest books, and they're each fabulous in their own way. Kept me so entertained. Thank and um, Andrea, who is uh, my associate producer, and I both run around talking about how great they are. So you have some more other fans oh, beyond the two thank of us. You. <laughs> You're our celebrity fan, Callie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> thank you all for joining me today. And we can't all wait, wait to read your next books. Nancy Thayer's latest novel is Secrets in Summer. Ellen Hildebrand's latest release is The Identicals. And Jamie Brenner's newest book is The Forever Summer. All of these books are available in stores and online now. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show and links to the books and book trailers we discussed on our website at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineers are Doug Sugarts and John Parker. Andrea Aswahi is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.